0: The Bible says that we are to present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice. that's in Romans 12. and we be transformed by the renewing of your mind Romans. That's not our text today, but I just threw that in, but uh, we, are, we, are, uh, we are a people that I think that if we were honest, our mood swing is determined by what we're thinking about, right? What we're thinking about, what's bothering us, what, we're, what, what, what are we concerned, what's our goal, what's, our, what's the thing we're working on, kind of determines our, our, our demeanor. And what, the, good, the good news is God already knows your thoughts, and sometimes we go, oh boy, God knows my thoughts. And we can say, Lord, I, I can't hide anything. I don't want to hide anything from you. But see, even in my thoughts, I want to be... Uh, I want to be toward the Lord. I want, I want God's thoughts to be in my thoughts. That's living. That's the abundant life. When God's thoughts are becoming our thoughts, your thoughts, you're hearing from God, you're, you're interacting with God. And the thing about it, we don't just worship the Lord, uh, through singing. That's a part of, that's a part of worshiping God, but worshiping God with your thoughts, that's awesome. You can be in communion with the Lord every day. And you don't have to be. You're going to be just like you are. You're going to be in the shower singing to the Lord. You're going to be in the shower talking to the Lord. You're going to be driving down the road. you can be in communion with the Lord. And God wants to go with you. God wants to go before us. God wants to de- determine our paths set before us, so I, I'm going to take us to a familiar passage, probably to to many of you. Philippians chapter four uh, is is one of those well, I guess um, I look at it and I think, well, I've read this many times, many times, and it always speaks to me, it always encourages me, As Paul is writing about an attitude of thanksgiving, an attitude of of rejoicing. And you start, I'll just start kind of like there was some problems going on. Uh, he mentioned a couple of ladies and we won't go into that. We don't know much about them in the fourth chapter of Philippians, verse one and two and three. But he encouraged them to, uh, not, not to be against each other, but to be in harmony. How many know the Lord wants the church to be in harmony? He wants the saints, the, the believers, to like each other, to support each other, right? Who wants to go to a church if we're all down at each other? That's no fun. That's not the, that's not the plan of God. That's not the will of God. And so here's just, just a couple of names I can hardly pronounce. Eudea. I hope that's close. And Sintik. Sintik. A couple of ladies. Nothing against ladies, okay? <laughs> they were just having a moment. They were having some time. They, they were having some, some struggles. But he said they shared the struggle. Help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement, also, and the rest of the workers. Help them to rejoice. See what he's saying? Rejoice in the Lord, always, verse 4. And again, I will say rejoice. What is, there is a key to overcoming your thought life right there. Rejoice in the Lord of. Well, I don't know what to rejoice about. You have something to rejoice about if you know Jesus. As the fact, as the matter is, he has paid for your sin. He has saved you. He has called you. And he has plans for you to live with him forever and forever. Rejoice in the Lord. Your forbearing spirit, let it be known to all men. This Lord is near. That's verse 5. The Lord is near. How do we know the Lord is near? Because he said he's near. Do I always feel that he's near? No, but I know he's near, and sometimes I need to pray, Lord, make me aware of your presence. Help me to be in a position where you, I, can, I can take you in. The Lord is near. Now, what, are, are you facing something? Are you facing something that's huge in your life? Are you facing a struggle? Are you facing a battle? The Lord is near. He has... You in the palm of his hand. He has you in his sights. He has you in his vision. He has you in mind to equip and bring you through it. And he goes on being anxious for nothing. I, had a, I have a hard time sometimes to be anxious for nothing. I need this. Sometimes I want to be too anxious things to happen. Or things happen, and I get, oh, this is crazy. For example, this week, how many know what a skid steer is? You know, the tracks on the skid steer, and I was going to the woods to get wood, and the frost wasn't in the ground as much as it should have been. (laughs) And you know what's coming? It sunk down like a 45-degree angle, buried halfway up the back end. And I'm stuck. I can't go. I can't go anywhere. I'm going. The more I struggle, the harder God. Okay. I kind of laughed at myself, and that's a good thing. But at the same time, how am I going to get this out of here? And so I, I started praying. Lord, help me to know what to do. Okay. So how many you know that God has common sense approach? He, he knows the way that He uh okay, so, um, you're not gonna, you're not gonna drive out, so you need to walk out. Okay, so first of all, you get to the truck and go home. That's, that's what I need to do. Go home. But my concern was well, if I leave it in the mud overnight, will it freeze that hard? Well, it didn't freeze that hard that night, when, it, whenever it was last week. So I come back and I have a chain and I have a cable and, uh, I wrap around a tree that's out there a ways. And I lift the arms. And I put it low and I had it tight and I inched my way out. Kept tightening it, inching my way out. I thought, this isn't so bad. I had visions in the night that the the skidster sunk out of sight. I'm serious. You wake up and you start thinking, this is what if the ground is nothing? It's just a hole. It's sinking, oh boy, isn't it human? Aren't we all? Am I human or not? Well, thou, what what need to take place is ah, be anxious for nothing. of I you mean, have ever been in a pickle. You've been to have a, you've had things setbacks. You've had your day planned, but setback. something happened. Uh, you, you, you drop back to plan B or whatever, C or D, if you have the, that, that many plans. Or you? So as somebody say, you drop back and punt, that's just a saying that, you know, you do something different, you, you do what you can do. But God, all in all, has something for us to learn, and everything by prayer and supplication. Does God want to hear every prayer of a concern Nothing is too little or too big for God. He wants you to include him in your life. Well, the prayer is to be offered with thanksgiving. Your supplication, which has to do what you bring before the Lord, is to be offered up with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. In other words, you're taking what... You're concerned about, but you're already thanking him because he is in control and he is your helper. You're thanking him in advance. You're thanking him even if he doesn't answer the way you want him to answer. I will praise him. And Job, you know, the man who lost his health, who lost his family, who lost basically his, 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 his whole Everything was taken from him you can imagine, his health. His wife said, you know, you might as well just curse God and die. Why do you keep on praising God? And I know Job struggled, but for the most part, he was able to overcome, but he kept entrusting himself into the one who was able to do far beyond what he could imagine or think. And this is the key. Can God take your stuff? Can God take our messes? Can God take our, our, our mistakes? And yes, he can turn them around when we submit, and he can bring healing, and he can bring a new beginning, and he can set you on a path and in a right mind. And here's the promise. Here's the promise. How many like promises? How many know what the promise is? When you pray this way, the peace, verse 7, the peace of God, and the peace of God. You just just think about, and the peace of God. How many like peace? You like it when you feel the peace of God. That is how we are to live. We're not to be living a stress, city. We're not to live, we're not made to carry all the cares of the world. We're only human. God is the one who can only Carry all the cares of the world, he himself. But God is not the author of confusion. And that's where we discern is this me? Is this you, the enemy trying to get at me? It could be either of those. And we have to learn how to fight. And a lot of times our fighting is not going out there and, you know, beating things up with a stick. What is surrendering our inner man, surrendering our thoughts unto You, Lord? Unto You, Lord, this is Yours. This is Your problem. This is this is this is too big for me. You see, we have to guard our hearts, that our self doesn't get too prideful, that I begin to try to think things out for myself, that I try to reason things out. I try to, try to fix things myself, and I don't allow the Lord. And when I know that I, I've come to my end, I know that I cannot do anything in my own strength really that very much. It's like an ant. It really doesn't amount to much. But Paul said it later in this chapter, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. He realized that what he was facing, the enemies that he was facing, the battles that he was facing, the churches that he had started and planted across the the, the country and the mission field that he was called to, oftentimes was weighing upon his heart, for he was afraid that people would come in and speak about another Lord, speak about another uh, way to heaven. And it was false, and it was like wolves that would come in. And though he had many setbacks and he had been left at, uh, oftentimes exposed to the nature, the elements, and shipwrecked and left for dead. On occasion, he says that he had churches on his heart. We want to be like Jesus. I believe that a part of our being like Jesus is to be a- surrendered to what is it the Father wants, what is it the Lord wants, and we begin to think about what is, what is He doing now that. Is important. What is the Lord wanting me to do that it's really the most important thing? I said so number one is to be surrendered. Number one is to be uh, allow him to be in control. Easier said than done. Willing to let go. I cannot control circumstances many times. I cannot control people. I don't want to do that. The Lord is a shepherd. The Lord is a shepherd. He is a sheep. We read earlier in Psalm one. We are like sheep. We wander. We stray. We want to do our own thing sometimes. We want to be in charge. And God is saying, follow me. Where is your heart today? What are you setting your mind on today? The word that we read on is the key here is that we will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, the enemy wants to pick away at your heart if he can he wants to sow seeds of, of doubt he wants to sow seed of fear that you're not going to make it we have to say get behind me satan the word of god said resist the devil and the devil will flee from you that's a promise how do you resist how do you do that you say in Jesus name go in Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I am taking this thought, I am taking my thoughts into the captivity of the Lord. I am taking every thought into, into uh, the arena with the Lord here. Now, we're going to read this. Finally, brethren, whatever's true, I'm going to think on things that are truth. I'm going to read my Bible because that's truth. I'm going to th- sing songs that will help me to remember truth. I'm going to hang around with people because they know, the, the people that know the truth, they're encouragers to me. Whatever's honorable, whatever's right, what, the list is quite long. It's whatever's pure, lovely, whatever's of good repute. If, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. In other words, do I see the half uh, that glass half full or half empty? You know what I'm saying? That's kind of an interesting way to look at it. Do I approach my day saying, "Well, I wonder what's going to go wrong today?" Or do I approach the day we're going to we're going to Jesus lead the way. Whatever happens, you 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 you've got you've got my back. You've got my blind side. Uh just begin to I I believe in I believe in this speaking the word over your life. Speaking the word to yourself. Speaking the word to your flesh. Speaking to the speaking the word said the there's power in the tongue. Life and death are in the tongue. There's a Proverbs. Life and death are in the tongue. And so I, if I shoot myself in the foot, it's my fault. if I begin to put myself down, then, I, then I'm sinking. I'm already sunk. But I've got to keep my mind upon the Lord. Does this make sense? It's a mind battle. The battle belongs to the Lord, though. And in, it happens, people don't just go out and do things to hurt others, or it's stuff that they dwell on. It's stuff that begins to grow in your heart, and you all of a sudden they turn and say things and you, "Where did that come from?" Listen. If I don't make deposits in my heart, I'm going to run empty. Listen. I need to make deposits in my spirit. I read the word. I call upon his name. I acknowledge him. And I say, I mean I acknowledge him. I, I ask for his help. I recognize that he is God. I recognize that he is the one who is in control. When I choose to praise him no matter what, in every and any circumstance, when I choose to praise him, guess what? Battle Belongs to the Lord. You remember the King Jehoshaphat? That's a hard name to pronounce. Jehoshaphat. What? That was a king in the Old Testament. uh, 2 Chronicles 20, I believe that's the chapter. I won't read that story, but i just allude to it. This king was so distraught. His enemy was closing, coming. There was a battle line that he couldn't stop no matter what. And his own men were trembling. Well, he says he turned to the Lord. And there was a man of God that prophesied. In other words, a man of God that spoke for God and said, This is what you need to do. You get all your people that praise. You get all your people. You get the worship team in front of the battle. You put the people on the front line that sing and praise me. And you watch what's going to happen. And you read that story. And they did that just exactly what God told them to do. And what happened this, that, that word says, "The battle belongs to the Lord." In other words, God fought the battle. God fought and confused the enemy. I happen to believe that if we praise the Lord, that the enemy just has to go, because He can't stand the people of God praising God. He can't stand it when you praise the Lord. He doesn't want the presence of the Lord. So do that in your house, when you're alone in a quiet time. Do that when you're driving. On your way to work, praise him. Praise him. I will bless your name. I will praise him because of who he is. I will praise you because you are God. And now he, verse 9, he says, and These things you've learned, received, and heard, and seen me. Practice these. I like the word practice because practice helps me get better. I can't do things unless I practice. i got to do it over and over. If I learn a new song, i got to practice that song over and, over and over and over and over and over and over again. Anything that you get good at, a skill, is just something you've honed. You, you've practiced it. Something you baked that you're really good at. you practice practiced it. That's your specialty. It just so happens that things of God need to be practiced. Prayer, listening, reaching out, stepping out. Hearing from God, having an ear, he who has an ear, it says in Revelation. Let him hear. God is always speaking, trying to get our attention. I believe God is often wanting to say something to us, but am I in a position? The book of Hebrews, there is one verse that has always challenged me, and it's Hebrews five fourteen. Solid food is for the, for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So that chapter he was dealing with, by this time, he's talking to the Hebrew people of his day. By this time, you ought to be teachers. What he's saying to them, you guys are, 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 are still on milk. What he's saying is that you need to grow. And how are you going to grow? You need a solid tool. You need to dig into the scriptures. You need to press in. You need to step out and practice. I remember the first time I ever preached. I think it was in Belize. One of the first times I ever, well, college, you know, they'd have the classroom. And you, you, you were to preach, and that was nerve-wracking because you were preaching before your peers. And then at Belize, it was easier because we were there to reach out to people, touch people. We would pray and believe in God. But over time, speaking as I was Caused a certain growing up as being a shy person speaking was the worst speaking in front of people would have been the worst thing I could ever do. That'd be the a terrifying thing. But what if God says to you. I will put my words into your mouth. If you spend time with me and you will soak in and take in the word of God. I will give you a message. And I will help you remember the things you have learned. Why did Paul say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Because Paul had learned to practice. He had learned to trust God even though it was hard, even though it seemed this is impossible, this is not Absolutely, this is against all odds of ever making it out of life. And he would go places and he would speak the word of God with boldness. And because he had learned in verses eleven, and we read on in this chapter that he learned to be content. Now, this is interesting because the Bible talks about being content. But I believe it's something we need to practice. I think the Word of God is saying to us, I've learned, Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance. In other words, it's, we ought to be making ground. And that what bothered me less, last week maybe doesn't bother us as much the next week because you've made ground or the next year because you've made ground for Him. Right? I've learned to be content. In other words, Paul, see, if I had everything, I'm not going to let that go to my head. If I have been blessed beyond measure, I'm not going to let that go to my head because I know God is the owner of all of it. But if I have nothing, guess what? I'm going to be, I learned to be content. In any circumstance, that that is is maturity. That is reaching the milestone where you have become, You've, you've reached a state where you've, seen, you know, you've never been this way before or you, or you have been in a familiar situation like this and this is what you've done. You've trusted God and you've waited upon the Lord and God has helped you. And so Paul boils it all down finally to the end of this chapter. He starts to talk about the gift that he received from the church and he's not so concerned. He wasn't setting his heart upon the gift so much as he was upon the gesture of the giving because the church, because they were sensitive and he was glad because they gave because it, it increased their account. In other words, when these people gave, it blessed Paul more than the gift itself because of the attitude of giving. And so he turns around and he says it was an acceptable sacrifice, well pleasing to God. What is it that the Lord wants from us? What does he really want of us? What does it, what is it that really pleases God? I think you know the answer. I think it's having a grateful heart. I think it's having a heart of thanksgiving. I think it's learning to be content if you only had Jesus. If it's just, I mean, we can have stuff, don't let stuff have us, but we need Jesus. Jesus helps us control our thoughts. Jesus helps me to put in perspective my life. And then he sums it up. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. What is your need today? What are your needs? What are your needs? One of my friends used to say it quite often. Some people get their needs mixed up if, between what they need and what they want. Their wants rather than their needs. It's an interesting way to look at it. What do I need? What really do I need? I need to know him. I need to build my life on His Word. I need to trust myself to His Lordship. I need to hear what He's saying. That's what I need. And then I need the strength and the courage to act upon it. I need to be obedient. I need to stand. For him. And we can do it. We can stand. We can stand. We can station ourselves. The battle that Jehoshaphat was facing was beyond him. And perhaps the battle that you're facing is beyond you today. The battle that is going on in your, your home or your family your Wherever, whatever it is, whatever you and God know what's going on is what I want us to do. We're going to come back to this second song that we sang earlier. and We're going to begin to sing Then I, I, I'm just learning this song. And I want to read it because it, it helps me to get the message of the song. It says, worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every, ever, every breath we could ever breathe. You know that God's Word says that because we can breathe, it comes, every breath that we take comes of God. Did you know that God created us with the breath of His mouth? You see, He formed this clay, but He says He breathed into us. And there was a spirit. There was spirit now inside. Of man. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. That's what we need. We don't need another gospel. We don't need another Bible. We need the word, his word, his true word, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for him. Can we sing it one more time?